I don't know, man. That wasn't great. Should we take that part again? We've, we've got to have a few mistakes. It can't be s- s- that polished. And it won't be natural. <clears throat> hey, guys, and welcome to the first episode of the Amateur Philosophers Club, where two of your friendly neighborhood priests dive into some of the deeper questions and the most important questions in life. Because we believe, just like Socrates did, that the unexamined life is is not worth living. So... My name is Father Richard Stonia, and I'm here with Father Denise Williamson. And this episode, we're going to be looking at the question, what is philosophy? Uh, if this is what the whole podcast is going to be about, this invitation to dive into this, this study and the science of, of philosophy, uh, a good place to start is, okay, what is that science? And before we get uh, into that, what basically what we're going to do throughout these, these programs, throughout these podcasts is to use a book that we written by uh, Daniel Sullivan called An Introduction to Philosophy. Kind of use that as our as our outline. We'll be reading through that by ourselves before the podcast and using that the points in that book as a as a sort of platform for our discussion. Hopefully, um, that'll bring us into some of the some of the big questions and some of the important answers that have been posed to those questions. But before we get into the the nitty gritty, Father Denise, welcome. Thanks, Father Richard. It is awesome to be here and I'm super excited to start this podcast. And maybe it's just worth pointing out to uh, everyone that uh, this is clearly the Amateur Philosophers Club. And yes. probably from what you guys are hearing, we're also amateur podcasters. But yeah. that's uh, that's uh, part of the whole intention. Yeah, so please excuse any lapses of, of either technical <laughs> prowess or, or logical reasoning but we do both love philosophy and philosophy has had a big impact on on our lives and the way we see see life and maybe we'll get into that at a later stage um but if anything what i'm looking forward to this even if no one listens to it is i do enjoy talking to you about about these great questions and so Same, I'm, looking, yeah. I'm looking forward to our conversations in fact i mean let me put in a little personal anecdote that was part of the reason that philosophy became so important to me so obviously as you know maybe our listeners don't know that as part of a priest's um, studies before he becomes a priest, he has to study philosophy. You know, some people want, sometimes when I tell people that they'll be like, you mean like, like Catholic philosophy or, you know, philosophy of the Bible or whatever. And it's like, no, just philosophy. Before you think about revelation, you've got to be able to think, you know, and the church, the church kind of presents that to us. So we have to study philosophy. And I remember when I was struggling and we both studied in, in Italy and in Italian. So we're now struggling with philosophical concepts in a different language. <laughs> Having you there in the seminary as someone that I could speak to um, was not only a relief because we could speak in English, <laughs> but also just that conversation helped me to get to grips with some of these, some of these concepts. And I realized that, in fact, a kind of uh, a cursory reading, kind of thinking, okay, well, I got the information on the page, wasn't enough with these, these big concepts about life is that I kind of needed to delve into them. I needed to wrestle with them. And speaking to you helped um, help that process, help that kind of wrestling process. And hopefully this process of us speaking about these things will help our listeners in that process too. Um, what do you think? Are you game? <laughs> Absolutely. I think that's brilliant. Um, yeah, it's, you know, when you read something or an article or whatever, you get some information from it. And you, you know, if you've paid attention and everything, you, you understand it. Mm. But then when somebody else reads it and you have a discussion with them yes. about it, you always learn something more. Yeah. Right? They, they maybe point out something that you didn't notice or you, you know, went over too quickly or whatever. Like there's always something more that comes out from the, the conversation. So as I said, I'm super excited to be doing this with you. And I think it's the best way for us to 
to delve into this uh, this great discipline of philosophy and how just how important and relevant it is for us and our lives big time and i don't feel and this is part of the the title amateur philosopher but i don't feel um that i know these things and i need to impart the knowledge to others i feel like i'm getting to know these things you know i'm knowing these things more and more and i think that's the that's the quality of the the sort of the object of philosophy is when we're speaking about um uh the kind of questions that philosophy asks which we'll talk about more now as well but when we speak about those kind of things there are things that you can you can understand more and more and more because they're the most profound things um in life but what you said there about like a cursory reading only le- leaving you with a sometimes a superficial um understanding the same is obviously true about like movies and books and things like that like um i love discussing movies uh with friends like watching a good movie and then speaking to someone else who has seen it and then so often that helps me pull out, oh, there's a deeper thread there or there's something that I hadn't noticed or there's much more to that than I realized and gets me to rewatch that movie because I realize, oh, there's a lot more to it than I thought. Um, and which is obviously true also going like reading, the, I guess, also reading the book that a movie is based on, right? Is that you um, you suddenly see, oh, wow, there's so much more to this than, than, than I realized. So basically what you're saying is that book clubs do have value. <laughs> book clubs have great value as long as you're reading good books but let me not get too controversial um but i oh, was speaking of which the did i tell you i finished the hobbit okay yeah um after reading uh lord of the rings in fact lord of the rings kind wait of, so you read you read the lord of the rings first and then you read the hobbits yeah i know that's not the right order right they weren't written in that way but to be honest um I'm glad I read them in that order because reading Lord of the Rings, that like brought me back into, into lit, well, into literature. Um, also during seminary, in fact, it was during a time when I was like, okay, I need to be like reading scripture. I need to be reading um, the church fathers. I need to re- be reading my books on philosophy and things like that because that's dealing with like real questions, right? Um, I need to like put aside movies and literature and stuff. And I remember our, our rector at the time kind of telling us the opposite. He was like, no, no, no you discover more of these, um, what you're learning through scripture and through philosophy and things like that. You get to see those in a deeper way and from a different angle through good books and through good movies, right? And so I started with Lord of the Rings and it was amazing. Like I would just read a little bit every night and it took me like a year to finish, but I felt like I was on the journey with these guys, but there was just so much profundity. And I guess also also knowing that uh, Tolkien was like, um, that he... Uh, that he was a faithful Catholic, you know, like I knew his world, his view of the world was similar to mine. Um, and so like reading into so much of what he said and just seeing the the depth of of the questions that he was posing in that book um, and how he would play out the, the sort of the responses or at least some partial responses to those questions, questions like about goodness, about um, what it means to be a hero, about friendship, about providence, even things like that awesome amazing no great book and it's funny because just yesterday i finished reading the silmarillion oh yeah obviously that's a which is the like the ancient history before uh, lord of the rings and before the hobbits um i'd read it before but you know it's one of those books just like lord of the rings that you know you can read again and again and maybe you should read it like every couple of years you know (laughs) return to the good things so so now i've read the lord of the rings i think three times maybe. (laughs) maybe just two it does take a long time Silmarillion yeah. didn't I heard that his his son actually published that was it posthumous I think so yeah because it was a like a I think just a collection of 
unpublished writings and essays and and so forth you know just sketching the that the, the world whole, the world and the history of the elves before the time of the rings which his son then i think published yeah and he i found out yesterday death. he passed away the son passed away like last month i think that's right yeah uh, that's actually where i heard this because there was something published about him and it mentioned the silmarillion but i suppose then i read the hobbit and i was so disappointed <laughs> And this was after having seen the movies. And I mean, the movies were enjoyable, but I read the book and I was like, I almost preferred the movies, which almost, (laughs) sorry, that's going to offend a lot of people, but um, which almost never happens. But I just, I found it compared to the Lord of Rings, I found it so, um, it just seemed kind of shallow. Like it didn't kind of dive into those questions or paint like vivid and deep character and world. Um, It didn't paint them as, as profoundly. Uh, I don't know. Was that your experience reading The Hobbit? I think we read The Hobbit uh, as our grade 8 setwork book, if I remember. Nice. Uh, which was pretty cool. We read The Wizard of Earthsea. And then I think the year after us, they started reading Harry Potter. So obviously, the wizard theme comes in strong in <laughs> It comes in eight. strongly at that age. Yeah. Um, so, But that was pretty much my impression too. Um, the Hobbit was, yeah, it was just the story of Gandalf uh, and the dwarves who come to visit Bilbo. And they go on this adventure to yeah. to win this treasure from this random dragon adventure and, story, and but there are hints here and there that there that there is actually a bigger story out there, and the world is much bigger, and there yeah. are bigger events going on. Well, but it's not the center of the story. It's it's not, and I almost I found that more evident in the movies, because the movies obviously made after. Um, made after the Lord of the Rings movies. And also they were trying to make a trilogy. So they had to put a lot more in um, than maybe it was just in the story. Maybe they should have just made it to one form. But anyway. <laughs> but that's, they brought in a lot of kind of references to the world of the Lord of the Rings and the, I don't know, the council and, um, and Sauron and things like that, right? That was much more in the background than I found reading the book. Whereas... Um, Lord of the Rings posed these great questions and got me to consider them. I felt like uh, The Hobbit kind of was just a fun story. Um, and that's why I was like, okay, maybe if I'd read The Hobbit first, I maybe would never have moved on to The Lord of the Rings. But I suppose before people are like, why are you, is this The Lord of the Rings podcast? Is this The Philosophy podcast? <laughs> We're getting there. <laughs> well, I did, I did think when I was kind of reflecting on The Hobbit, I was like, um, I don't know, just how much I love going deeper into things right and seeing seeing the the depth of of um i don't know responding to the deeper questions uh which is a obviously a pretty a human thing isn't it (laughs) It, like i think that's a great point you made like if i understand you you're saying that the hobbit was a good story from start to finish it was like a fun story i mean i think tolkien wrote it for his children if i'm not mistaken you know and then he worked it into his bigger story yeah. Right, which was that vehicle for his, his languages because his love was for languages. Yeah. He was a philologist. But so The Hobbit was a good story in itself. But The Lord of the Rings was more satisfying because woven into the story were these bigger questions that you had yeah. like valor, sacrifice, heroism, mm. um, all those kinds mm. of themes, right? And bigger questions about, you know, morality, yes. ethics. Like, is it okay to use the ring to overcome evil right can you or will it overcome you in the in in the meanwhile which is a really interesting moral question question. um and that that was more satisfying for you right yeah and 
maybe this helps us as, uh, to uh, to see what philosophy is all about because it shows us that as as human beings we all have a desire right to understand yeah not on a superficial level but on the deepest level possible what is around us yeah. and the meaning of things including our own life mm. right and so i think a hallmark of the human person is this desire to understand mm. and have knowledge and to ask questions yeah was it was it aristotle or plato or both that said that philosophy philosophy begins in in wonder i think it was aristotle yeah. who was the a pupil of plato's yeah but philosophy begins in in wonder that is like an awe mm. And that's of awesome. The world around us. Yes, because it's like there's the there's the human element of like something we can all relate to that we can all be like, like wow, like how like this is amazing, you know, like how, um, how did this come about, you know, why is this like that? How they're like almost almost a child's questions, you know, a child is 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 the one who wonders at like wow, like how like um where does this come from you know like why is this here what is that like the the four-year-old who asks a whole bunch of questions the, right? The, the, you're right the annoying little nephew is like why why yeah, exactly why? exactly Philosopher. but there's something really <laughs> profound in that okay apart from the fact that it's super annoying but it's because he wants to get to the bottom of mm. things and that's the human thing right and so this is interesting that that um i think it was aristotle was like yeah it starts in wonder it starts in that desire to of being like in awe of things and desiring to understand them more. They're like wanting to know more about about life. So like on a basic, um, I suppose basically you could say that's, that's as we're, st- we're trying to respond to the question, what is philosophy? So on in a basic way, it's like, okay, philosophy is trying to respond to these questions, right? Philosophy is about the big questions. Philosophy is the, the response to that desire to know things, to know what life is about, to know what, um, what things are, what reality uh, is 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 made up of. Like, um, what is this? Where did it come from? What is it made up of? But then a question comes to my mind because if someone he- hears that, they might think, okay, I can understand why like the ancient Greeks asked these questions because they at that stage they hadn't developed the scientific method. We didn't have um, the kind of technology we have today that can show us how thing what things are made up of and um, where th- where they've come from how they one thing becomes another thing right so the question then is has not science like empirical physical science does that is that is that enough to answer those questions right those questions that the ancients have that the child have can they all be answered by um the empirical method by the scientific method or do we need um greater greater or different kinds of knowledge as well or different kinds of methods i don't know what do you think well that's i think that's a really good question so you're saying like has like science that today superseded philosophy has it responded to is that the answer because because it seems like well maybe the ancients because they didn't know about science and the uh, technology and they didn't understand how nature worked and things like that well maybe they just ascribed uh, like divine reasons and other yeah. things to explain. You know, they invoke the gods and faith yeah. and so forth to try and give explanations and accounts for mm. what was happening in the world around them. Yeah. But now, thanks to science and the discoveries that we've made, you know, like let's say atoms and electricity and you know forces and things like that. Okay, well now we actually understand how things work. Yes. And this explains the world around us. Yeah. So we don't really need philosophy anymore. Philosophy was actually man's attempt to 
understand things um, or more like his uh, his questioning, but mm-hmm. which invoked, let's say, religious and faith based yeah. explanations. Is that? A, do you think that's a fair um, analysis or not? I would say that that's. I think what a lot of the idea that a lot of people have about philosophy today. Yeah. But if you look at the history, some a different picture emerges. Okay. Because if you go back to the time of the ancient Greeks, so like Aristotle and Plato mm-hmm. that we were, were talking about, and even a bit before them. Remind us sort of what time period? So we're about, let's say, two and a half thousand years ago. Okay. okay. Uh, uh, so like 5th, 6th century BC. 5th, 6th century BC. I think Plato and Aristotle were like the 3rd century, 3rd, 4th, okay. third, fourth century BC. Or BCE, as you're supposed to say today in this <laughs> politically <laughs> correct world. But very good. We'll just uh, uh, slot in with that. But... Actually, philosophy was born because there were some ancient Greeks who, for the first time, instead of trying to invoke religion or sacred texts or faith to explain natural phenomena, you know, like the weather, the sun, the force of gravity, Mm. whatever, like things like that, instead of trying to invoke religious or Mm faith-based explanations, they try to understand these phenomena using human reason alone. That is to say, they try to understand these things and give an account of them by using the powers of the mind. Yes. So reason. I, the author of this book that's that's kind of been our outline, I remember him saying that um, for a long time, our reason was, um, or our, he put it this way, that our senses and our imagination had sway over our reason. It's like it's like wow, those yeah. were sort of the, the big responses, our imagination and um, and our immediate senses of things. So that's why you would use like a myth to yeah. explain the creation. Or a poem right? or, or things poem. like that. Yeah. Which but have value. They do have value, right? But what we want to do is we want to understand things, yes. right? Not just in a mythological or poetical or imaginative mm. sense, or even in a, in a, let's say, a faith sense. Yes. But in a in a real sense, using our minds. Okay. Can you distinguish, maybe it's not the time to talk about it, but maybe just say um, quickly, like... Why would a religious explanation be different to an explanation of reason? Are they in conflict or are they just different explanations? The religious explanation is saying, okay, um, the God or the, the divine power made this like that. Mm-hmm. The, re- the, the explanation or the account based on reason says, tries to understand the causes, right? Um, the two are not in conflict because... You, the both of them are trying to understand the cause mm. ultimately. Yes, but the religious explanation, at least in the, uh, f- like for the Greeks, would be invoking some kind of power that we don't know much about, mm-hmm. and by invoking that, it kind of exonerated one from investigating it further. Yes, so to speak. Okay, and maybe we can do a whole episode on this. But so, mm. but do you think like now, now that we, like for example, um, we believe in a revealed religion. Does philosophy um, or could reason respond to the questions that um, that a religion answers, or is there overlap? Can they can they work together? How do how do kind of faith and reason? I think this is a, it's a huge topic, yeah. right? And maybe like we needed, uh, we'll have a whole podcast yeah. uh, uh, on this topic yeah. certainly. But like just very quickly, I don't think they're opposed ultimately, okay? Because the truth is one, yeah. Right, yes. and we we believe that that the truth comes from one source, which is God. So faith and reason are ultimately not in opposition. Um, 
what we say is that faith reveals things that reason cannot know, hmm. but what they reveal are not in contradiction to what reason can know. Okay. So reason has its domain, yes. right? the world around us, and we try to understand it. But there are things that faith brings that supersede hmm. our ability to know, hmm. but which don't inherently contradict yes. what and, we know. And if they, so there is if, that overlap. And if they do inherently contradict, then they need to be re- re-examined, they need basically. To, they need to be re-examined, yeah. exactly, yeah. Okay. Um, I liked, it was interesting what you so said So maybe then. just to say very quickly, yeah. so so faith, at least in our, in our Christian understanding, yeah. is not opposed to reason in the sense that reason is what is rational, faith is what is irrational. Yes. No. Okay, because if faith proposes something that is irrational, mm. then we have to say, okay, thanks very much. I like, thanks for the coffee, but I'm out of here. But, yeah. Right, because we want truth. Mm. Right, so if faith proposes something that is irrational, that is to say, non-reasonable, then we can't accept it mm. because we've been made for truth. What we rather say is that what faith brings, what, re- what revelation brings, is something that goes beyond reason, mm. but it's not irrational. I see. So it's a distinction, and yes. maybe we need to talk more about the power of making distinctions, um, which is like yeah. so needed, and it's a, a hallmark of philosophy. Yeah, that's for sure. Okay. Um, so that faculty of of reason, and I, I liked what you, or it was interesting what you said there about, um, you know, investigating the causes of things, like investigating, okay, how did this come about? Where does this come from? Now, um, the if I'm not mistaken, and I remember reading in that book that, that it said that um, philosophy, it's sort of, that was the overarching um, term for all of the investigation into where things came from and what they're made up of. And then slowly that kind of started splitting into different disciplines. Is that is that a yeah. fair? Okay. So what is the distinction then between between a philosophical, um, between philosophy? Because what, as we were talking about that, like looking into the causes of things, um, the, the, the question again is, is um, that comes to my mind is, um, well, doesn't, doesn't science explain those things? Like, isn't the isn't that responded to now? Um, and so, w- what is the distinction there between between philosophy and how it responds to things, or maybe the questions it asks, um, the domain that it's working in, and the domain that maybe the physical science uh, or the questions that physical science asks, or the way that it, that it looks at reality. Yeah, that's a super relevant question today because it seems like science today has all the answers and is and is explaining so much yeah. about our world and like. We don't need philosophy, as we were saying. Yeah, but if if the philosopher, if the ancient Greek had picked up a rock and he said, "What is this?" right, and he came up with a um, maybe even ignoring his imagination and ignoring his his all Senses. the myths of his time, and he was like, "Okay, this is made up of of um, whatever," right? Is made up of sand, or it looks like it's made up of tiny rocks, or it's whatever. He might come up with an explanation. He's asked the question. He's used his reason to come to an explanation. Doesn't science now give us the answer that to the question that he was asking? It does. But the answer it gives is partial. Okay. Partial in the sense that all of the sciences, mm-hmm. like let's say the physical sciences, yeah. uh, biology, okay, astronomy, all the sciences yes. that we can think of are investigating the world. And they are, they are um, giving accounts of mm-hmm. things, understanding them, fi- discovering the causes and so forth. But by definition, they're only examining a part of the world. Mm. You know, so like as we were saying, um, geology, 
yeah. yeah. studies like rocks and whatever, things like that, you know, magma and all of that. And they ge- geology is defined as a study of that aspect of our physical world. Okay. Biology is another discipline that mm-hmm. studies one other aspect yes. of the world. And that's great and fine because it's better that we kind of divide up our, our forces and they say, yeah. you, you guys study that, you guys study that. And then we all work together mm. to learn more about the world. Mm. And I suppose even in non-physical, uh, I guess, less empirical sciences, that's where like the social sciences also look at aspects of reality. Like they ask, okay, how does the human... Um, how does the human work uh, psychologically or how do humans work in, in society? What is the social, like looking at things sociologically and things like that. Um, okay. So I see that like looking at things from different, different perspectives or answering, looking deeper into the different partial um, questions. So we can say exactly that each science is defined by the account that it uses Right or the way that it looks at reality. So exactly, okay. the social scientists say we are going to study man, but not the whole of man, mm-hmm. but man insofar as he is a social being yes. and he interacts with others, and we're going to study that deeply. Yeah, and that's awesome, and you learn a whole bunch of things. Whereas the study of man in himself is anthropology. Man as 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 a man, if you just want to understand man, the study is then anthropology, right? Hundred percent. Or man as a social being is sociology. Right, Correct. exactly. So, and you then you apply that to all the sciences, right? Yeah. Now, philosophy. So then, the sciences like matter as rocks or um, or heavenly uh, uh, beings. That sounds very religious. I mean, like asteroids and things. <laughs> um, is it astronomy? <laughs> uh, okay, we need yeah. to keep the secular. <laughs> <laughs> okay, got you. Where does philosophy fall in? Fall right. In? So, if all of the sciences are studying reality from one particular perspective, Mm. which is valid and legitimate. Philosophy is studying reality in its most general perspective. That is to say, let's take everything that all the sciences Mm -hmm. have learned about reality, all the knowledge that Mm -hmm. we are getting from the different sciences, let's pull that together and let's look at all of reality. Okay. Okay. And ask the question, okay, the co- what is the like, cause? What can we say about reality? What can as we a whole? say about reality as a whole? So not just reality as mm. let's say physical, or reality as inanimate, or reality as animate. Mm-hmm. Okay, but what about reality as a whole? Yeah, and this is how you see that philosophy is scientific, mm-hmm. not in the empirical technical sense that we are accustomed to using today, right. but in the sense that it is a rational inquiry mm-hmm. into reality, exactly like the other sciences are. So the sciences reject faith and they reject myth and they reject poetry. Do they reject or exclude? That's a great distinction. Thanks for pointing that out. It's not a rejection in the sense that things are in, are invalid, mm-hmm. but it's not relevant to the science. Yes. So that's a great distinction. Thanks. Yeah. They exclude in those their, accounts in their, in their um, view. object of study. In They're their like, object okay, of study. Well, this is not coming into object of study because we're looking at it from this perspective. 100%. And that's valid. Mm. Philosophy also wants to look at reality but reality as a whole, excluding myth and, let's say, faith and religious-based accounts, but using human reason. Mm. There was one comment um, that you made there about um, like looking at things in more general terms. And the author of this book speaks about how the sciences tend to generalize. Can you speak about that? Um, like, yeah. wh- wh- What does that mean and how does that then apply to philosophy? So... Uh, 
when we're, when we're studying and investigating reality, we're trying to uncover the causes because the cause is what makes us know. The so, cause is what makes us know. Right. So if we want to understand something, we mm -hmm. want to understand the cause of what makes it to be what it is and why it is. Hmm. Okay. And so if we're studying, for example, um, let's say the physical world, physics, we're looking to uncover those laws of physics that explain and govern the world. So yeah. let's say like the law of gravity, yeah. right? You know, like objects fall at 10,8 meters per second yeah. squared or whatever it is, I can't remember, you know, like the, the law of gravity, okay? That law now accounts for the phenomena that we see of objects falling all around the world. Okay. So now we're able to give an explanation for all this different phenomena mm -hmm. using one account. I see. One principle that is general, the law of gravity. And we know that the law of gravity is such because of the mass of bodies and the mass of the earth, <clears throat> et cetera, et cetera. Okay, I see. So it, it takes a whole bunch of instances and tries to explain them with one principle or one law in as much exactly. as possible. So you have all this varied phenomena, yes. all these particular phenomena yeah. that can be explained in one principle, yes. the law of gravity. And there's something wonderful about that, like deeply satisfying about that when you're like, okay, um, I'm, I'm investigating this specific thing and I'm looking at it in various instances, and when I look at all, what, uh, like, whatever, 20 instances, I realize that there's one underlying law that governs all of this behavior. Um, and then that's like, oh, wow, I understand now that, that behavior, right? I've found, like, a, a cause. Because um, you've got the cause. Yeah. Okay. And so, in the same way, what philosophy tries to do is to understand all of reality. So, reality taken as a whole. Yeah through the most general principle possible. Okay. So or you're trying the to make the principles possible. Okay. So you're trying to make those you're trying to get the laws that explain everything. Is that is that <laughs> It sounds pretty epic, but that's pretty much what it is. It's kind of like, I don't know, think of like a um, you know, like decision trees or, you know, like those hierarchies. Mm -hmm. And we're trying to ascend from mm -hmm. all the the millions of trees at the bottom, you know, like all the, the branches at the bottom yeah. and going all the way back up to that very first yeah. one. What is that first principle that can explain everything? Or the first few, or yeah, the like least amount of principles that can explain the most amount of things. The, the least amount of principles that can explain the most amount of things. That's awesome. Are those philosophical questions? Those are philosophical questions. Okay. Maybe like... Another image, because I don't know about you, but images. I was about to say, I think help. we're being abstract and might be hard to follow. Um, yeah. Can we think of an image or maybe an example? So, like, take a I don't know to to explain the how philosophy is different and similar to the the, the empirical sciences that yeah. we've been discussing. Maybe take a movie. Okay. Now, a movie has got different parts to it. Mm -hmm. You know, you've got the plot, you've got the script, you've got the actors, you've got the soundtrack, you've got the You've got the, the cast, the costumes, whatever, okay? Now, you can understand that movie, or you can try to understand that movie by examining the different parts, right? So you can now, like, analyze the plot, yeah. or you can examine the screenplay, you can do a character study, mm. you know, you can analyze the soundtrack and everything, and you'll learn a little bit about the movie. But if you want to understand the whole movie and its message, you have to watch the movie from start to finish, mm. okay? Now, the sciences... Are what they examine parts of the movie, the plot, the characters, mm -hmm. the screenplay, yes. the soundtrack. Philosophy watches the whole movie from start to finish. Hmm. Or maybe like to take another example of what we were speaking about earlier with Lord of the Rings and the Hobbits. Yeah. Okay. You were saying that you were 
like unsatisfied by the Hobbit because it was a bit shallow because it was this just in this little yeah. in comparison to Lord of the Rings. No, great book in itself, yeah. obviously. Tolkien, we respect. Legend. Legend. Um, but it was a like a kind of a just a you know self-contained story with hints of some bigger history. Okay. Well, the sciences are like the Hobbit. Okay? Yeah. Philosophy is Lord of the Rings. Awesome. Okay. In the sense that the Hobbit is part of a much bigger story, which yeah. Lord of the Rings accounts for. Yeah. Okay. So responding to those questions, um, like about the whole, right? About the whole, like the broadest possible questions um, so that we can understand everything in the fewest amount of, of laws or principles. Can you, like, can you maybe give an example of the kinds of questions that philosophy asks um, so, like to help help me understand what what those um yeah what kind of what would that what would those laws look like those those few laws that explain the most amount of things okay great yeah i think it's really important though to emphasize that philosophy is a scientific endeavor mm. not in that technical empirical sense yeah. that we use today like you know microscopes and mm-hmm. computers and, and things like that but in the sense that we're trying to understand reality in a rational way. So every question that all the sciences ask today are ultimately philosophical questions because they want to understand reality. But because we said philosophy is distinguished by, let's say, getting to the very root and cause of things, Mm -hmm. the, 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 shall we say, essentially philosophical questions are what is the ultimate cause of reality? Mm. What are the principles that underlie the physical world okay okay and looking at ourselves the questions would be okay what am i where do i come from mm-hmm. where am i going yeah what is the purpose of life what is the good life what does it mean to lead a good life not maybe like a morally good life no. but like what is the good life for me as a human being what does that look like and so forth can reason respond to these questions or are they not just like everyone's idea is equal to everyone else's idea. I mean, can we actually get to answers to these questions? I think we can if we understand philosophy as rational inquiry, hmm. right? If we grant that, then yes, philosophy can respond to these questions because we're excluding faith, we're excluding myth. Hmm. Okay, we're excluding the imagination. And so we can use our reason, which we all share, mm-hmm. to investigate these things. And let's and let's see what we what we discover. So maybe this is a good time to bring in the actual word philosophy, right? Because, um, again, I remember, wo- I remember uh, reading in this book, right, that like wisdom, if we think about, um, okay, I've kind of uh, jumped the gun there a bit. But <laughs> so philosophy um, is, philosophy means literally the word broken up and it's um, entomology, etymology, etymology. There we go. Entomology is, the, is insects. Okay, etymology. <laughs> is um, the love of wisdom, right? Um, so wisdom, and I, I want us to go into that, into that in a second, but just to, just to bring out the word there, wisdom, um, in terms of what we've been speaking about, right? That wisdom, um, even we know this in like popular, uh, or this comes through in popular culture and stuff, right? The wise man or someone who has a lot of wisdom is someone who can explain things in more general ways, right? Who has... Um, who like can the give bigger picture. The bigger picture, exactly. The broader, the broader thing that we're looking at here. 
Um, and I guess because we were speaking about Lord of the Rings, the first person that comes to mind is is Gandalf. <laughs> and so he, the will, wizard, the ex- wise, the wise, man. exactly. And so he will every now and then he will have these kind of phrases that that make the person he's speaking to and the reader kind of look at the situation from a broader perspective. Um, can you think of an example? Like um, uh, like Frodo says, you know, I wish the ring had never come to me. And uh, Gandalf says, um, so do, or what does he say? Do you remember? Your, your memory is better than mine. <laughs> now you're putting me on the spot, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, I wish- Doesn't he say something like, um, yeah, you, 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 you're tempted to think that, but we must believe that you are meant to find the ring or something like that, or that there's something greater at work here. Yeah. Yeah, if I, I mean, I think that's the, the essence of what he says, but I yeah. think we've run the, the quote. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, Tolkien. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, anyway, the, the point being that, that, that the wizard, the wise man, kind of gives up broadly. He's like, no, look at things in a bigger perspective here. And so if wisdom, wisdom is having those answers or having that broader view of things, right? Seeing things in their broader context, having, having the, the, the smaller things, the smaller sciences, the partial um, responses but then in light of a bigger of a bigger picture do you think that's a fair um kind of sketch of of what it means to be wise absolutely i think that's a great start yeah and now i i know that um can you tell us then the difference between so i suppose hmm, how do i put this like because that's an ongoing endeavor that to you know to get a better and a clearer vision of of the greater picture right of all of reality as a whole like that's an ongoing it's an ongoing endeavor and if i remember rightly like pythagoras in when he coined the term philosopher that he was pointing precisely to this fact that seeking wisdom seeking the general the the answer to the bigger questions isn't just a you find the answer and you know it um like uh uh that every that's it's not something that you arrive at almost immediately or even in a short amount of time but it's an ongoing endeavor um yeah i mean uh, that's a that's a temptation which we humans always have right is that when we find an answer to something we think we know it and yeah. now we've got the answer and now look how yeah look how clever we are you know and we kind of show off and in fact there was in pythagoras's time you know, so again like two and a half thousand years ago yeah. there were this group of people called the sophists yeah who were these black professional philosophers sophists meaning literally wise men right who called themselves the wise men yes the sophists. We are the wise. We are the wise. Like we have the answers. <laughs> We've got the answers. You know, come to us. Yeah. We have the answers. And Pythagoras said, "No, right? no one is truly wise mm. because wisdom, exactly as you're saying, or rather, the pursuit of wisdom is a lifelong endeavor. Mm. And the only one who's truly wise," said Pythagoras, mm-hmm. "is God." Awesome. Right? So it's we like, are yeah. seekers of wisdom. Mm. We, we we journey together. Right? Because reality is so rich and so beautiful and so profound that it's like a well that you can keep drawing yes. things out of. That we are we're going to keep drawing, but we're never going to get completely to the bottom. Mm. That doesn't mean we can't draw anything. We can draw thing, water out. That's, yeah. That quenches our thirst for knowledge. Yeah. Um, but there's this respect that Pythagoras had and this reverence mm. right, for this endeavor. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a beautiful thing. It's a noble thing. Mm. And that's why I say that, no. A person who really wants to understand and get to the get like to the bottom of reality doesn't say that he's wise. Like I call myself a surface. No, I'm a lover of wisdom. Yes. I'm a philosopher. I'm a philosopher. Yeah, one who loves wisdom. I love wisdom. So right? I'm always so, seeking, always seeking to know and to know better and to know fuller, to get a better and a 
broader and a bigger picture of, of, of all of reality. And there's an, another like really nice aspect that comes out from that term, the, the lover of wisdom, is mm-hmm. that the lover loves his beloved, right. right, and he treats her with respect. Yes. Right? No, and like so that. knowledge is not just this tool that you have mm. for your for your own glory or even for power or to be able to you know uh, manipulate things, but knowledge is something beautiful, right? And it's something that we that you know this mm. this love we have for wisdom wisdom is something that we love and that we cherish it's beautiful and it's noble it's not just a tool to be yeah. used and some right? some like i've heard that said as well and maybe this will even be a, uh an argument against philosophy or maybe a question about it is like why um what good does it do like why what practical value does it have like why should i why should i philosophize should I ph- what what does it do what does it do for me um, now, do you it's think like that's- a, remember we were discussing the other day, like a, the typical, like a, a, a common idea that people have a philosophy is like, well, it's just a, it's just these these silly arguments about like unsolvable questions, yeah. you know, like if a tree falls in the forest, you know, mm. and no one's around, does it make, does a, it sound? make a sound? Yeah. You know, well, like- what if you see blue and I see yellow, like, but we I call it blue, and we just we seeing different things, but we have the same name, the for same, it. and so it's. Yeah. Like, how do you solve that, problem? You solve that problem? Yeah, so like philosophy wouldn't have the, actually your, like a real practical value uh, in your life. Yeah, but, but those those kinds of questions almost seem useless. They kind of seem like, okay, you're asking questions that can't be answered. Why is philosophy different to those? Or well, hopefully bigger than those showed questions? so far that philosophy is not that. That's mm. the caricature. But philosophy is actually, if you will, like a, a meta-scientific endeavor. Mm-hmm to get to the bottom of reality, to understand mm. it. And this is really practical. Not in the sense like, okay, it's going to get me a job or it's going to give me tools and mm. things like that. But in the sense that it's it's an answer to a need mm. that I have. Yeah. Because what we, like what we were saying at the beginning, what defines us as human beings is our desire for understanding. Aristotle said somewhere, all men by nature desire to know. First line of the metaphysics. All men by nature desire to know. Yeah. Because we have minds, right? And our minds are made for truth. And so to know and to to understand the world around us, to get to the bottom. Yeah. Is like right? something is good for us. Good, like and specifically human. It's a it's specifically human. Like my dog is a very happy dog in yes. his existence. Right. He eats, he sleeps, he runs. He chases after birds. He's, he's content. Fulfilling his dogness. And he's fulfilling his dogginess 100%. Okay. But he doesn't pose the deeper questions. Like he doesn't send people to the moon. You know. But man does. Hmm. Man says, why? Yeah. What's this for? Like he wants to get to the bottom. He's restless. Yeah. And so philosophy responds to that need, which is profoundly and mm-hmm. uniquely human. And this is why we can say that. Philosophy is something that is done for its own sake, in the sense that we don't learn philosophy so that we can acquire a skill to then get a job. You know, much like, let's say, one would uh, you study engineering so mm-hmm. that you can build bridges and roads and also then get a job and an mm-hmm. income. So it's a kind of like a means to an end. And, uh, yeah, I was, go- I was just going to add, you also might enjoy it for its own sake. And you might enjoy it. <clears throat> yeah. But philosophy is something done because it is good for us mm. it makes us more human mm. it fulfills our nature as humans because we all want to know that's awesome and it it reminds me also of the the, the author of of the book we're reading um 
tells this, um, or he quotes Pythagoras again, right? And we'll speak about Pythagoras more in the future. But not the theorem of yeah. Maybe as well. <laughs> um, the, and so he, he also, he has this, this way of explaining the fact that like philosophy, we do almost for its own sake. Like it's a deeply human endeavor and almost like one of the highest of the human endeavors, I think he would even argue. And so he compared it to the, the, um, uh, like the Olympic games or the kinds of games that they would have in ancient Greece. And he said, there's various people who come to the games. And he said, he said, like, for example, the, the athletes, right? The athletes come to the game and they compete and they compete for honors and for um, recognition. And he said, that's like people in life, like the, the politicians or even the soldiers, right? That they're, they're there and they're competing for recognition and for honors. And that's like the reason that they're doing that job. Uh, and then he says, like, you also get the, the people who are selling things at the games. You get, um, uh, and that's kind of like in life, it's, those are the, the tradesmen, right? And the merchants who are seeking gain. That's what they're doing their job for. They're doing it to achieve this end, to, to gain to something make money, for themselves. To make, to make a living. Money. Yeah. And also to satisfy a need that's there, right? It all kind of works into that. Um, then he says, and I th- maybe uses a couple more examples, but then he says, but then there's someone uh, who has a unique and, and even a privileged role in, in the games. And in fact, the reason the games are there, the spectator. The spectator is there purely to enjoy the games um, for their for themselves, right? To look at and and enjoy the games. And he compares this to the philosopher. He says this is someone who 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 just who wants to enjoy it for its own sake, who wants to enjoy life for its own sake, not because he's trying to get um, or enjoy knowledge for its own sake. He seeks knowledge for its own sake, not because it's going to get honors or recognition or because he can make money or, or anything, but because it's this this deep cry of the human heart to to know and to find answers to things and to use one's reason to do so. And not Pythagoras, but uh, but Sullivan, this author, then goes on to say, because it's such a high... Um, part of the human person right this this ability to reason to come to to causal like arguments to to give explanations for things um to reason about life because that's so um such a high part of of humanity the more that a culture does this the more that it engages with these kinds of questions the more that it asks these questions the more human that culture is right wow. the the and that, that could be also i think said on an individual level like it's good for us to ask these questions and to keep answering asking asking these questions and to look for look for answers to them that's really beautiful and it's again it shows how it makes us uniquely human like think of all the things that we do that the animals don't like dance music the fine arts and yeah. so forth these things are done for their own sake yeah yeah listen to a beautiful piece of music or see like watch a great movie or or a great performance or read a great book yeah um you do it to like you can you might do it for various reasons but um the almost the most fulfilling reason to do any of those is to is to enjoy it um and the enjoyment it gives it's like i don't like read novels so that like i can i don't know acquire some understanding of some situation of Mm. certain persons but i read them because they're enjoyable that might happen it might happen, but as it's a consequence a of reading the yeah. But it's like you get the you enjoy the novel most when you just enjoy it. And so if we have this faculty of reason and these questions, it's like when we are asking those questions because because we want to know, 
Like that's the almost the justification for philosophy. Mm-hmm. And I think it's the justification for this podcast that we as as self-proclaimed amateurs that we can do that, that we can ask these questions and we can also use the 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 wisdom of the ancients who have respond who have respond and people throughout the centuries who have responded to these questions about life, about meaning, about um what like um I don't know, simple questions like um what I don't want to get too too uh, sound too um, uh, philosophical. (laughs) What's reality made up of? Where does it come from? Why are are distinct things only distinct in my mind, or are they distinct in reality? reality? And is there any way of being able to prove that? You know, is my world the way that I perceive it? Is that how it is? You know, is um um can I? It's an objective foundation. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like all these kinds of questions, like they, they satisfy something deeply, deeply human. And um, every single human, I think, asks these questions and is called to answer them. And that actually brings up an interesting point, because I think yeah. people without realizing it. Um, well, no, I know that people ask these questions because it's a human thing to ask these questions. And I think people maybe without realizing it already have answers to these questions. So sort of a question to ask um, is... You know, do you think that people philosophize without realizing it? That's a really great question. Wow. It reminds me, I think, of another thing that Aristotle said. I can't remember where that. uh, He said, every man has a philosophy. Oh, yeah? Whether he's aware of it or not. Okay. And just because he has a philosophy doesn't mean it's a good one. Sure. I think I'm muddling it a bit, but it's it's something like that, right? Every man already has a philosophy, okay? But just because he has one doesn't mean that it's it's a good one. Hmm. What does he mean by that? He's saying that, yes, every person, whether they are like, have studied philosophy or not, or are even interested in philosophy mm-hmm. or not, has a philosophy in the sense that they have principles or assumptions which are at the bottom of so many things that they do. Is this what people refer to when they say something like worldview, like your your worldview? That's a great point. I think I think in today's language, worldview would correspond to philosophy. Okay. Yeah. So it's like this is how I see life, or these are the principles I look at life through. Mm-hmm. Um, like for example, someone's worldview might be um, that life is life is meaningless. Is that a philosophical? Is that a? Uh, is that a philosophical answer or C- to a philosophical question? Certainly, because there is a worldview that's there, right? That's, uh, there's a philosophy that's mm-hmm. there that says there is no meaning to be found mm-hmm. in the world. And therefore, well, you, you make your own meaning or yes. do what you want. And yeah. that, so the behavior is that, that is, let's say, founded on mm-hmm. a certain worldview. An underlying principle. An underlying principle. Which is why people say, like, ideas have consequences. Ideas have consequences. <laughs> like, or, like, take, like, let's say, let's say, take, like, a, a, a person, like, let's say, who um, is very environmentally conscious. Yes. Which is kind of, you know, quite quite popular today. And, and, and contemporary so, question. Yeah. A contemporary question. Okay. So we need to recycle. Yeah. We need to reduce our consumption and our waste and, and so on. Now, those are all those things are based on a certain worldview, a certain philosophy, which oh. says what? Yeah. The world is good. The environment is good okay, and mm. needs to be taken care of and preserved. Mm. It is a value. Yes. And it's somehow up to me to that. I've got a responsibility. And I have a responsibility it. towards that. Right. So there is a worldview behind mm. 
this desire to care for the environment. Mm. Okay, And we can go through so many different examples like that. How about this? Like if someone says science explains everything, is that a scientific statement or a philosophical statement? <laughs> <laughs> now this sounds like one of those trick questions, you know, like if a tree falls in the forest and no one's there. So just repeat, do you mind just repeating your question? So if, if I say... Um, like if someone listens to this and they're like, look, I don't need to do philosophy because science explains everything. Is that phrase, is that response, is that a scientific response or is it actually a philosophical response? That's, a, that's such a great question. Uh, ultimately, it's a, it's a philosophical statement, right? Because what that guy who says that statement means by science is, of course, what is empirically verifiable. Yes. Right? What can be discovered and verified through the scientific method, right? So measurable. But that statement itself, that right, everything can be explained scientifically, yeah. cannot be mer- verified scientifically. Of course. And yeah. therefore, it's a non-scientific statement. Mm. Therefore, it's a philosophical statement. All right. So even scientists right, have worldviews and philosophies. Even scientists. <laughs> <laughs> well, all of us do, shall we say, right? Yeah. Okay. So we have these sort of these underlying ways of seeing the world or or understanding the world or even each other our role in it our role in the world our relationship to each other that um even morality i guess comes into play there like how i should treat you how i should treat myself um whether the world is valuable or not um those kinds of questions those those are those are philosophical questions and that everyone um whether they know it or not has either answers or tentative answers to these and are working from these assumptions, these basic assumptions working about what assumptions. the world is, what reality is made up of. Um, basically, it's meaning and also my role and your role, other people's role within it. And the hierarchy of goods, the hierarchy of, of, of things to do, like what's more important and what's less important. Yes. Right? Yeah. Those, all, those decisions are based mm. on a worldview. Mm. I don't know about you, but... Even, even if I say like, um, it's okay to swat a fly but you can't kill uh, an antelope or a person right? right those kinds of distinctions um are based on a certain worldview are on a based on a certain worldview and part of philosophy's job is to make let's say explicit mm-hmm. the assumptions that we've been holding mm. implicitly because you, most people will hold those assumptions implicitly like they've kind of come to those conclusions about life and reality and and man and meaning um but a lot of people hold them implicit hold them unconsciously unconsciously they they just act from them without having maybe examined them so maybe we can say i think this comes from that the book that we're following that uh, philosophy's task is to make conscious and explicit the assumptions that we've been holding unconsciously and implicitly that's great well that's i mean that's a lot packed (laughs) into that but it's it's nice and succinct right yeah so let's just say it again Philosophy's task is to make conscious and explicit the assumptions that we've been holding unconsciously and implicitly. Mm. And then, of course, to examine them, to say, well, yeah. is, this, is this a valid principle? Is this a valid worldview? Does it actually correspond to the facts? Is it in consonance mm. with reality? That's you know? I was about to ask, um, how do we, once we kind of make those, we, we come to see, oh, this is, what, this is what's underlying the way that I look at life. This is this is this basic answer is how I approach life. Those those philosophical underpinnings of the, of the way we act and the way we believe and everything we do. Once I make those explicit, once I make them conscious, 
I'm because I'm holding them. But once I bring them to the to the fore, then examining them um, and in the light of reason. In the but light it's of not reason, enough just to bring them out and say, okay, these are my These principles. are my assumptions. No, because maybe it's a, a wrong assumption, you know. And how do I examine that is, does it... This cars- is philosophy's task. That's philosophy's task. So we can see the the great need and the great relevance of philosophy. And and seeing, okay, well then does this does this principle, does it correspond with... With reality. with reality, does it align with reality, yeah. or is it is it a mistaken or a, or a false assumption? Do I need to relook at it or expand it? Or you expand know, someone it. might have a true but limited assumption about the world, right? So it might say, um, from earlier, like we said, science explains everything. Okay, what's true about that is that, okay, science explains a lot, explains a lot, and explains it. It seeks to ex- at least explain the physical causes um, of things and the physical makeup of things from an empirical. Uh, which is a valid and necessary yes. endeavor but it's like okay but if i want to base my that my my principles of life might need to be broader than that if i want to um uh i don't know operate in a in a coherent way a way that responds to the other questions that i have rather than saying okay this is the only answer all the other questions are and to dismiss all the other questions right i mean just to like to to take it a uh, to bring it home, I don't know about you, but one of the, the great pleasures I had from studying philosophy mm-hmm. at, at university and also in seminary with you was discovering all the assumptions that yes. I've been holding unconsciously yeah. and implicitly, yes. you know, like realizing, oh, whoa, I was, this is what I've been thinking all mm-hmm. along. I didn't realize it, that this was my principle. Mm-hmm. And then testing that principle to reality and yeah. saying actually maybe that principle wasn't wasn't valid you wasn't know? valid or wasn't sufficient it wasn't sufficient um so it was this like exercise of of um clearing my mind yeah. if, if i can put it like that um self-examination oh, and that's like our sort of byline right which comes from the apology of of socrates which we'll get into in future episodes but the uh, unexamined life is uh, not worth exactly living, right? that we need to we we feel this compulsion to and we have this natural desire to, and we should examine our lives. And that doesn't just mean like a moral examination, but an examination of our assumptions and our principles and the way that we see life. And those questions are philosophical questions. And um, using reason to approach those questions is the philosophical endeavor. And getting answers to those questions is what philosophy seeks to do little by little because it loves um, to know and it loves wisdom. So maybe to recap... We can add to that phrase mm-hmm. uh, that part of philosophy's task is to render conscious and explicit our unconscious and implicit principles. Yeah. We can add the word critical. Yes. So philosophy critically examines mm. the principles, right, that we've been holding unconsciously and implicitly. Right? In and it critically examines those in the light of reason. Reason. In the light of reason. Mm. Awesome. Awesome. I think that's a great start to our to our podcast. And I think it's come to a sort of a natural close. Um, and I'm looking forward to this. Thanks again for for this conversation. And I'm looking forward oh, to I many really more. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I, get, I get a lot out of this. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, I don't know about you, but like this helps me. Like I learn Big time. doing this. And this was, to be honest, I picked up that book initially because I was like, like I love philosophy and I love going back to the to the basics almost. It's like there's I know there's more there in the in the simple concepts and the and the the basic um, principles of philosophy. Um, and I picked up that book, the Introduction to Philosophy, and I was like, I wish I could share this with people. This great joy in in exploring these 
um, these big questions and seeing that we can actually, we can come to know. It's not just like, okay, I come up with a theory that's interesting, but I can actually come to know um, better things and see reality more clearly. Like that's so wonderful and so deeply satisfying that my desire uh, is not only to keep doing that, but also to share that with others, that other people can experience um, that the, the satisfaction of that curiosity and the satisfaction of that, um, the ongoing reply to that insatiable curiosity and wonder that thirst yeah yeah the thirst to 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 know fantastic cool well looking forward to the next one yeah so anyway we'll draw this to a close thank you very much for listening um thus far hopefully you got something out of it um if you have any uh technical advice or philosophical query you know (laughs) you can feel free to to contact us um amateur philosophers club at gmail.com i'm pretty sure is that there that... a the or just amateur philosophers club amateur philosophers club so how do you spell amateur is it t-e-u-r yeah okay amateur philosophers club at gmail.com but that if you if you have any questions or anything like that you can feel free to contact us and um or if you feel like we've gone totally off the mark you know we'll be happy for the for the input criticism welcome absolutely philosophy is all about critically examining the things you know so so send us your criticism absolutely and thanks to everyone who made this possible obviously you and uh um father joe (laughs) who helped us who helped us buy the mics and things like that and uh we're looking forward to next episode cheers have a good one